From Jordan Dingle's 23 points per game to Stephen Ashworth's 43% shooting from deep, the Big East Conference made a ton of elite additions this offseason, and we're going to discuss the best of the best on today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. Well, folks, thrilled to be joined today by Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden covering the Big East Conference. Today, we are going to start a series that I'm hoping to do with all of the Power Six conferences, where we're going to discuss the 10 best additions for each of those major conferences. We're also going to close out today's show talking about Kim English and his upcoming first season with the Friars. And Matt, I'm kind of excited about this because we debated the format, whether we want to just rank top 10 guys, go one by one, et cetera. But I think we're going to try to do it in a draft format. I think that makes it a little bit more interesting. Talk about five guys at the top, five guys in the second segment, a few guys that maybe got left out or a few teams that maybe didn't have any representatives and what that might mean for them before we close with that conversation about English. And I want to lay this out just for folks listening. We're, we're talking about newcomers to the conference. So that means incoming freshmen, and that means transfers but it's excluding transfers who stayed within the conference so Noah Day was Sue no Posh Alexander some of those guys who there were some really big name transfers within the conference yeah. this year but we're we're leaving those guys out because they're not newcomers to the Big East and Matt as the guest of the show I'm going to give you the opportunity to kick things off talking about who you think is going to be the biggest, most impactful, best, whatever metric you want to use, a newcomer into the Big East Conference for the upcoming 23-24 college basketball season. Well, this is something I was really thinking about, figuring out who actually goes number one of this group. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of talented players. You have some real veteran guys coming in you got some guards you got some big men you got some of the best freshmen in the country too who i'm sure we're going to get a shout out in Mm -hmm. here and trying to weigh you know how good are these guys going to be day one is tough i'm going with the guy who i think is kind of the the high floor option Mm there's a guy who dominated the ivy league for the last Mm -hmm. couple years jordan dingle from penn is a fantastic addition to St. John's. What he's going to bring to the Red Storm this year uh, He's an excellent shooter from deep. He can hit shots from well beyond the arc. He's elite off the catch and shoot. He's a very good passer. He brings a lot to this St. John's team that they have not had in recent years. And especially with Joel Soriano in the middle, having a guard from the outside who can play it kind of at all three levels the way that dingle does to complement what soriano can do in the paint i think it's going to open up a lot for the other three players on the floor and he's probably the single most important player to whether or not saint john's is going to return to prominence this season yeah, I, I'm, I let you have the first pick as the guest, but also it's because I was picking between two guys and I figured you'd <laughs> probably take one of them and make my life a little bit easier. Dingle is a very obvious choice there with 23 points per game last year at Penn. Really hard to, to turn down a guy who can put up that level of production even in the Ivy League. Uh, I'm going to go with another mid-major transfer coming up to the Big East level. A guy replacing who has some big shoes to fill. He's got to replace a really, really dynamic point guard in Ryan Nemhart at Creighton. Uh, that's, of course, Stephen Ashworth at Utah State. Uh, Ashworth, a guy who averaged about 16 points per game last year, 4.5 assists, shot 43.5% from three, a dynamic scorer, 
high level shooter, good facilitator. I think you look at the way that Creighton's roster is kind of shaped right now. You want somebody who can come in, who can, you know, distribute the ball down low to Calc Brenner, who can get the ball out on the wings to Shireman and Alexander, and who can help space the floor with the outside shooting. And you get all of that in Ashworth. And again, it's it's hard to replace somebody like Nemhard with his floor vision uh, and just overall pace that he plays at in high basketball IQ. But you get a lot of those skill sets out of a guy like Ashworth. And I think when you you look at Creighton, I think it's easy to see, ooh, they lost Nemhard, they lose Kaluma. That's going to be really tough. But they keep a lot of core pieces together and bringing in a player like Ashworth, I think is really going to help the Blue Jays stay near the top of the Big East standings next year. When you talk about stretching the floor too, Kalkbrenner down low with three elite shooters yeah. now with Ashworth adding with Shireman and Alexander, that's going to be very, very difficult to defend. So yeah, it's a perfect fit and a really good mm-hmm. player. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, another guy who's transferring up a level mm-hmm. here. I'm going to go to a guy who I think is the best big man transfer in the Big East this season. And a guy who's also filled in some big shoes, Josh O'Duro, coming up from George Mason to Providence, following his coach, Kim English. I'm sure we're going to go more in depth <laughs> on this one at the end of the show. But he's averaged at least 15 points and seven and a half rebounds the last two seasons. He's been all A-10 the last couple seasons, stepping into the shoes left by Ed Croswell, who was a fantastic player last year. And um, paired with Bryce Hopkins in that front court, I think that's a duo that can be special for Providence this season. Excited to see the two of them together. Yeah, Aduro is one of, I think, multiple, maybe three or four different players from the A-10 that we're going to be talking about today. A lot of guys who transferred up from that conference into the Big East and and Aduro, definitely a really nice fit uh, for that kind of new look Providence team. I'm going to finally, I guess, depending on how long people thought we'd wait here, uh, finally go with a non-transfer, one of what I think is probably only going to be two or three non-transfer players that we're going to talk about. That's, of course, incoming freshman Stefan Castle uh, for the UConn Huskies. Uh, Danny Hurley's team didn't have a, a super splashy offseason in the sense that they only made one transfer portal addition, and a lot of the conversation about them was, was more about who they lost as opposed to who they're bringing in. But Castle's a guy, number nine-ranked prospect in the class of 2023 at 24 seven sports uh, very very likely lottery pick in the 2024 NBA draft at least that's how a lot of the mock drafts are trending at this point six foot six combo guard can do a little bit of everything and I think when you look at uh, the way that Hurley's developed guards already you look at what this team you know they're losing Sonogo they're losing Hawkins they they got a lot of uh, shoes they fill they got Newton still at that guard position I think kind of pushing Castle into that role uh, alongside Newton should should do some serious wonders for UConn and I think he's going to be one of the most exciting freshmen in the entire country this upcoming season yeah. And I'll take the other freshman here <laughs> that I think is right near the top of our list. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to, uh, it's Garway Duel, so yeah. point guard going to Providence, six foot five guard. He's a guy who is kind of just inside the top 50, according to a lot of the recruiting rankings. But one name who's been high on him, Sam Vicenni, at mm-hmm. the Athletic, one of the most respected insiders out there on this stuff. His two early mock drafts a couple weeks ago for 2024 had Garway Duel at number 10. Ahead of Stefan Castle, number mm-hmm. 11, he said that you see this guy in person, you see why it makes sense. He's elite defensively already. The shot has developed as he's gotten older, and he's kind of a guy who can do everything that you ask a guard to do. He can stretch the floor. He should be able to shoot the ball very good defensively. He can set his teammates up to score. If he can bring that presence and is as anticipated for the Friars, uh, it could be a, a special team. Uh, and I mean, When's the last time we had two one and duns in mm-hmm. this conference? Yeah, like that. potentially that's the that's kind of the hype that's there. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we got five down and five to go as we continue looking at the most impactful additions in the Big East Conference ahead of the upcoming college basketball season. Before we get to the final five, I want to tell you all about today's sponsor, Game Time. Life is always so busy, and the last thing that I need to be doing is stressing about where and how to buy tickets to events. Thankfully, there's Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all the events that I want to go to. When choosing seats for events, I also always get stressed about trying to pick the right ones because I don't want to worry about not having a good view of the field or the court or the stage or whatever it may be. Game Time has images of views from your seat so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, all guaranteed. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube. We got more fantastic content like this coming your way next week. We got some fun guests lined up, and we are about a week out from starting our conference preview series, looking at every single college basketball conference ahead of the 23-24 college basketball season. So look out for those hitting your feed as soon as early September. But for right now, Matt and I are going to continue our draft discussing the 10 most impactful, best newcomers in the Big East Conference for 2023 and beyond. We had Ashworth, or excuse me, I guess I'll say them in order. We had Jordan Dingle, Stephen Ashworth, Josh Aduro, Stefan Castle, and Garway Duell to start us off. Now coming in at number six, I am stalling a little bit because I'm trying to decide who I want yeah, to go with. I'm curious where you're going to go with this one. This is where I was starting to really hesitate. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few options here. I think there's three or four that I'd feel pretty good about. I'm going to go ahead and go with another guard addition for Rick Patino's team at St. John's. That's Dennis Jenkins. Uh, Dennis Jenkins, about 16 points per game last year, five assists all at Iona. He, of course, follows his coach Patino over to St. John's. A 36% shooter from deep, decent defensive player, about one and a half steals per game. Started his career at Pacific over on the West Coast Conference. Really kind of saw him pop when he went to Iona. I'm excited about what that's going to look like in that backcourt uh, for Patino. Of course, it's, I'm, I don't know what it's going to look like. The only things we really know is that Dingle's going to play a big role. Joel Soriano is back. Everything else is kind of up in the air. Patino's got, I think, 13, 12 or 13 different newcomers. coming. But they only that. returned one player. <laughs> one player returning for St. John's. Uh, really exciting time for the Red Storm. Excited to see how that shakes out. And Jenkins is a guy that I think uh, could have a really big impact as kind of per perhaps the facilitator distributor uh, for that St. John's team uh, next season. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm going to stay kind of in that area, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head up to UConn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick Cam Spencer here, guard transferring from Rutgers. I'm picking him this high because, you know, transferring from a power conference school, I think he's a known quantity. Yeah. Huskies know what they're going to get from him, and they know exactly how they're going to use him. He's going to slot in at that three-guard spot. They're going to ask him to shoot the ball a ton. They're going to ask him to play defense. And, you know, you, you lose Jordan Hawkins. That's really, really hard to replace. Spencer's not going to do that all on his own, but he can mm -hmm. give you a lot of that. 
Um, and, you know, if you want to get the most out of those top recruits that the Huskies are bringing in, having some of these veterans to fill in your role player stuff and take pressure off of them, is, I think how you how you achieve that. So I love the Cam Spencer edition. I think that was perfect for Dan Harley. Yeah, it was one of those additions that that was made so late in the offseason, it kind of felt like, oh, we're just scrambling to fill a role. But man, it felt like Spencer was just just a really, really nice fit for what Danny Hurley and that UConn team kind of needed to add to their roster to kind of get them back in a position to, to once again uh, do really well in the Big East Conference. So I'm going to go with our first addition for Kyle Neptune's squad. I have uh, I have three players who are joining Villanova on my list that I'm considering. And honestly, I think you could make an argument for, for any of these three guys being the most impactful one. But uh, maybe it's my West Coast bias that's showing here. Perhaps uh, I'll hear about that a little bit. But I'm going to go with TJ Bamba coming over to Villanova from the Washington State Cougars. Averaged 16 points, 3.7 boards last year, shot 37% from deep. He's a six foot five guard, good outside shooter, really, really high level athlete. I think there's a lot of uh, excitement about what he could potentially bring to that Wildcat team. And I think there's a, there's a real opportunity for him to, to step into a big role right away for Neptune's squad and, and, and kind of surprise some people because uh, Washington State basketball doesn't exactly get a lot of, got a lot of watches, a lot of listens, a lot of people paying attention to what they're doing out there. But I think Bamba is a guy who can really contribute anywhere in college basketball. And I think he's a really nice fit for Villanova. And it's funny to have Villanova even on this list because mm-hmm. I believe their last transfer edition before this was um, Caleb Daniels. Yeah, it's been I, a while. I think, yeah, and, and they attacked the transfer portal. I'm going to go with another one, uh, mm. Tyler Burton. Yeah. I, I love him. Uh, I, I have questions about the fit with mm-hmm. Villanova because there's a lot of overlap between what he does and what Eric Dixon can do or wants to be doing. Uh, but he's a forward who can rebound and he can score. He's been at Richmond the last four years. He was part of that team that upset Iowa in the yeah. first round of the NCAA tournament back in 2022. Uh, just a really good player, really solid player. I think he's going to be a great addition culture-wise for that team, uh, for this Kyle Neptune era, and he's really, is really good. So I, I like that addition a ton. Well, I guess I'm rounding it out with the last picks here. And you, you gave me the opportunity to do something that we joked about before the show, uh, which is combining two players because we're not quite sure which one of these two guys is going to step into the Sule Boom role for Xavier next season. But it's very clear that Sean Miller has recruited two players who both seem like they could kind of fit that ilk as a smaller guard, good at attacking the rim. Uh, that's Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky, two-time All-Conference USA performer, as well as Quincy Olivari from, uh, I was going to say from Xavier, from Rice, heading to Xavier. Uh, another six foot two guard. He averaged about 19 and six last year for Rice. Uh, both these guys, I, if I had to pick one, I'll go with McKnight in case people are like, you got to pick one of them. We'll go with McKnight. Uh, but I think both these guys kind of fit in that that mold of, of smaller guards that really have thrived under Sean Miller at Arizona, they're thriving under him at Xavier. We saw that with Boom last year. And I think you look at this team, they lost a lot of talent. Uh, Colby Jones out the door. You know, you expect Desmond Claude to step into a bigger role. I'm sure that he will. Uh, some some losses in the front court as well. And I think there's an opportunity for 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 really both of these guys, but definitely one of them to really step into a primary ball handler situation where they can go out there and uh, and kind of just help command Sean Miller's offense. And I think whoever is the guy with the ball primarily in their hands is going to have a really, really good season for that Musketeers team. And, and I think both will play well, but if McKnight's that guy, which I kind of think he's going to be, I think you're going to see him put together a, a all, beast, all Big East caliber performance uh, for Xavier next year. 
It's interesting you went that way because I, if I had to pick between the two, I would have gone Olivari by okay, right. a hair. <laughs> um, but I don't think you can go. Well, I mean, I think you probably can end up going wrong yeah. right now. There's no way of knowing who. Uh, I think they're both very talented players and both mm-hmm. fit what they do very well. It's just gonna we're gonna see who who shakes out on top of that battle between the two of them. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, the Big East was a fun conference to kind of start this exercise with because it, what happened, which I knew that this was going to happen, is there's a heck of a lot more than 10 good additions that have joined the Big East conference this year. And I think, you know, I'm looking at my list and seeing some of the names that got left off. Again, if you count Olivari as a name that didn't make the list, uh, if you count Simeon Wilcher, a top 50 prospect coming in uh, at St. John's, a guy who decommitted from North Carolina, uh, you know, a, a freshman with a lot of potential pedigree coming in. I don't know how impactful he'll be in year one necessarily necessarily, but uh, Hakeem Hart, you know, the third transfer addition at Villanova, we didn't quite get to him, but a guy who averaged 11 and a half points uh, at Maryland last year. There's a lot of, a lot of really talented guys coming in. I'm curious if there's other guys. I, I know I stole a few of them from you right there, Matt, but if there's a couple other guys uh, that you maybe had on your radar or other additions uh, in the conference that you wanted to highlight here. Uh, DJ Davis coming mm-hmm. into Butler. He's coming up from UC Irvine. He's a really, yeah. really good scorer. And that's just a team that's begging for, any guard who can go out there, control the game, and just take the lead scoring the basketball. They've been needing that kind of presence out there. I really like what he can bring. Um, like Solomon Ball at UConn It's like yeah. another top 50 recruit. We're going to yeah. see what he can do for the Huskies. Yeah, I think those are those are the next couple guys mm-hmm. up on, on my list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had Jaden Epps as well. Jaden Epps going. Oh, Jaden Epps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and one of the things we didn't really clarify when we kind of started this was like, again, one year guy who's got three years of eligibility left, like that's really valuable for for uh, for Ed Cooley over there at Georgetown, a guy who you know was a little inconsistent, but he was a freshman in the Big Ten, like that's that happens. So I'm excited to see what what Epps could bring, and and I think one kind of interesting element of this is like multiple guys from multiple teams. We talked about multiple Villanova guys, handful of St. John's guys, handful of Providence guys, but there's also some teams that you know, didn't get a lot of love. You mentioned DJ Davis, but that's kind of the only Butler edition that we really talked about. Part of that is again, because we didn't talk about interconference transfers, but not a lot of excitement about what's going on at DePaul. Uh, Seton Hall didn't have anybody we talked about. And for those teams, it's kind of just because the other teams in the conference are, are making more impactful additions right now. Uh, Marquette is also a team that didn't have anybody on here, although we kind of talked about this before we hit record, but that's sort of for a different reason. Marquette yes. didn't lose a whole lot of talent from their roster, so they just don't need to make a whole lot yeah. of replacements. And they got some talented freshmen coming in, kind of a whole bunch of guys in that 75 to 150 yeah. range who probably aren't going to have to do much this year, but next year they might be as red shirt freshman next season. It'll mm-hmm. be something. Um, I'm going to throw another name out here mm-hmm. out of left field, Drew Fielder for mm-hmm. Georgetown. Yeah. I He's like top that one. 150 recruit. Uh, mm-hmm. He recruit, committed to Providence, ended up switching mm-hmm. to Georgetown. Mm-hmm. A cook, a cook left Georgetown and they don't have a lot of size now. So Fielder may have to do a little bit more from the jump than mm-hmm. they had anticipated there. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a nice segue talking about a player who was going to go to Providence and flip to go to Georgetown because that's what we want to talk about to close out the show. Of course, Kim, Kim English in his first offseason as the head coach of Providence having to replace Ed Cooley, who did the unthinkable and leaving from a Big East school to go coach at another Big East school. And we're going to talk about what this means for Providence, what this means for Kim English, what the Friars might look like next season. All of that coming up right after this. 
All right, folks, segment three is still locked on college basketball, still joined by Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden here talking about the Big East. And we're we're done with our top 10 draft of newcomers joining the Big East Conference. But I want to kind of switch away and do, for those of you who are, who are longtime listeners, everyday listeners, shout out to you. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard that we end a lot of shows in the last couple of weeks talking about new head coaches uh, at their new programs. We talked about Tony Skin taking over at George Mason, replacing Kim English. We talked about Mark Madsen at Cal. We talked about Damon Stoudemire at Georgia Tech, just to name a few and I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about Kim English taking over at Providence uh, of course having Matt on who's a Providence expert and very closely followed everything that happened this offseason and uh, you know it feels to me like as much as losing a coach the way that Providence lost a coach is is really difficult uh, it feels like Providence is kind of in good hands with with Kim English we've seen some fun stories from him playing guys one-on-one all that good stuff and I'd like to just kind of start Matt just kind of asking what what the vibe is right now I know Providence is currently in an international trip uh, playing some hoops right now and I'm sure that that's kind of helping uh, generate some excitement around the team but what's kind of the vibe now that we're a few months removed from the Ed Cooley's departure and Kim English coming in to to take over this program Uh, there's a lot of a lot of excitement in Providence right now for this, uh, for the new coach. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something new. It's something different. I think that gets a lot of people going. And I think Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that has kind of flown under the radar with the success that Ed Cooley had back in the 2022 season uh, is that there was kind of some undercurrent of people Mm -hmm. not being fully satisfied with what he had done. I think that goes back to the 2019-2020 season where they started that year seven and six. They lose to Charleston Mm -hmm. and Long Beach State and get blown out by Florida by 30 points on a neutral floor. And there's some real questions. And then, you know, things turn around. You get the COVID season. You get the crazy 2022 season where everything goes your way. And then things end with kind of all those issues popping back up in the four-game losing stretch to end this past season. So a bitter taste left in the mouth. And now by Ed Cooley, now you got something very sweet coming in. In Kim English, who is young, he's energetic. He does all of the talking stuff well. You know, we haven't played mm-hmm. basketball yet, so it's hard to tell how good he actually is. But he's recruited well. He's got guys to buy back into the, the system. You know, you get Bryce Hopkins to stay. You get Devin Carter to stay. You get Garway Duell to stay mm-hmm. committed in for the Friars. Um, he's said all the right things. He's done all the right things so far. All that's left is to see how it looks when they roll the ball out there. Yeah, well, I think, too, like he, he brings in three players from his old school, from George Mason. You bring in Oduro, who we talked about early on, a guy who who led George Mason in scoring and rebounding last year. Uh, 16 points, eight boards, very, very talented guy. He's a veteran guy as well. You get Devontae Gaines, another veteran guy coming out of George Mason, seven points, six boards last year for them, bigger guard. And then you get Justin Fernandez, a freshman who averaged four points last year for them. But really what it matters is is you he starts to get, be able to build his culture a lot quicker when you have guys who have already played under his culture. Like, I'm not sure, you know, Fernandez in particular, I'm not sure like that he's an immediate contributor for Providence, but he knows the system. He knows the vibes. He knows all of those kind of things. And, and when you're a coach, like, especially a coach who's, who's replacing a coach in Cooley, who, who is obviously a very good coach, but there was some up and down moments, as you mentioned, and now you kind of got to come in, wipe the slate clean, bring in your own guys. It's difficult to do that in year one, unless of course you're Rick Pitino and you just go out and get an entire brand new roster. But that didn't need to happen at Providence the way that that needed to happen at St. John's. So I think the big kind of question or intrigue for me at least is how does Kim English 
you know, adjust to having a few guys that are maybe his guys, a few freshmen who maybe he kind of handpicked as players that he he wants to work with versus having a lot of Cooley's guys, you know, having those guys back that you talked about who are obviously very talented players, but are they going to match exactly with what English wants to do? Is he going to adjust his system to fit the talent that he has? And and I, I know that the, these aren't questions that can be answered right now unless like we're doing some super deep dives into their international stuff, which even then doesn't exactly give you a full picture, but it, it will be interesting to see how how those pieces fit together and, and maybe how long it takes for English to be able to fully put together what he wants to do on both ends of the floor when he has his pieces uh, in the fold. When you talk about those guys coming over from George Mason, I'll know Justin Fernandez has a knee injury right mm-hmm. now, so it's unknown if he's going to play yeah. at all the season when he'll be back. But Devontae Gaines, uh, who, he goes by Ticket, by the mm-hmm. way. That's his I nickname. Like that. <laughs> yeah, he played under um, – he was recruited by Kim English at mm-hmm. Tennessee, played yeah. under him as an assistant there, mm-hmm. followed Kim English to George Mason, and now for his fifth year is following him one more time to Providence. I did an interview with him. Back in the spring, talking about why he stayed with Kim English, he talked about how good the culture is and how guys want to play together. And he also talked about how things were coming together. You know, you got guys like Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, Corey Floyd, who all bought, who all transferred into Providence because of Ed Cooley. Mm-hmm. And getting those guys to mesh with the new guys coming in was something that uh, Ticket told me Kim English was already doing a good job with. And he said that the old players were very welcoming to the new guys coming in. Things were fitting there. Um, for those who have not been dialed into everything Providence this offseason, there was also a funny culture moment building. Uh, Jaden Pierre, one of their rising sophomore guards who's very talented, put his name in the portal. And um, that night, <laughs> Kim English goes on Instagram Live with Jaden Pierre next to him. They're in the, we're at the Providence practice facility. And he's got him under his arm and he says, like, what just happened? He's telling Jaden. Jaden's like, oh, he, he just beat me. They played <laughs> one-on-one, and apparently the agreement was that if Kim English beat Jaden Pierre one-on-one, he would pull his name out of the portal. He beat him. Pierre's staying at Providence now. And he, Corey Floyd, and um, the freshman we mentioned earlier, Garway Duel, are kind mm-hmm. of the trio in that backcourt, yeah. all young, all very talented, all very inexperienced. Mm-hmm. I think all three can be very good players, but avoiding some of those youngster mistakes, and uh, that's going to be a, a huge thing for the Friars to be a really good team this year. They all max out their talent. Look at Rob Doster saying this could be a top 15 team with Bryce mm-hmm. Hopkins and Oduro. You see it, but also three youngsters in the front court. That's mm-hmm. where things can go go wrong in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I wanted to close out the show with talking to you about, Matt, is is, is what would be considered kind of, like it feels like there's a wide range of outcomes. I mean, Douster saying this is a top 15 team. I mean, that's that's at their absolute peak. And I'm not going to disagree that they have the talent to be there. But that I mean, that would be a little hard to, to imagine that that might happen in, in year one for English. But you never know. But what would be considered a good first season for English. And I know that that's a really wide ranging outcome, but you're looking at a Big East that's really stacked, really talented. You have some teams that are a lot harder to pin down like St. John's, like what are they going to look like? What's Georgetown going to look like? Certainly, you know, the Patrick Ewing is over, era is over. So you expect some improvement there. Cooley's obviously a very fantastic coach. So for Providence, like 
it's definitely not top 25 or bust, I imagine. But like, what do they have to do? Where do they have to be? Do they have to kind of meet those same expectations that they had in those final few seasons under Cooley? Or or is it more just like, hey, if we feel like the direction of the program is solid, maybe there's some lumps that we take. Maybe we see that that young backcourt struggle at times and maybe it leads to a fifth or sixth place finish in the Big East and that's okay. Or is it more like, hey, we really need to be back up in that you know, top five, top six seed in March or else it's going to be kind of a, a disappointing season. Where do you think, at least for you personally, and kind of where do you think the majority of the fan base is at in terms of what you would consider a successful first season for English at Providence? Well, I think the bare minimum for Providence fans is going to be beating Georgetown twice. I think <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a very interesting question because mm-hmm. pretty much any time you got a young coach coming into a situation like that, the expectation is going to be, hey, let's get things going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But that's it's a very different scenario here. Ed Cooley recruited a lot of guys for last season who had eligibility and are core parts of this year. They had an eye on being a team that could win the Big East this season. You return a unanimous first-team Big East player in Bryce Hopkins, and you have right. top 50 recruits and things like that. It's very hard. The, the error bars are wide. I would say this team needs to make the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. to be successful. I think to really feel good, you want at least one, maybe two postseason wins, and I'm mm-hmm. lumping the Big East tournament into that as well. Between those two, those, those two weeks in March, um, I think between the Big East tournament, NCAA tournament, you get two wins in there. I think you're feeling really good about how things are going. Um, and I think the other thing, you look at the schedule for this team, second week of the year, Providence yeah. plays Kansas State, Miami or Georgia, and Wisconsin <laughs> all in that week. I think... Trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, I think to some extent, Providence fans should be kind of waiting to set expectations until you get through that stretch. Yeah. Because that's when you're really going to find out where this team is and where your coach is. It's you're it, you're handing the uh, what do you call it the kid who just got his driver's license last year mm-hmm. a brand new Ferrari with yeah. this team, um, <laughs> and that's we're gonna f- kind of find out on the fly how good of a coach Kim English is, how good these players are, and what the ceiling is. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, chat about Kim English, chat about some of the new newcomers in the Big East. I think it's gonna be another extremely exciting season in that conference in 2023-24. I'm looking forward to having continued opportunities to chat with you about it coming into the season. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show, to watch the show on YouTube. Shout out to those everyday listeners as well. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube yet, now is a great, great time to do so. We are very, very close to 1,500 subscribers, hoping to get there before the start of the college basketball season. I have a ton of confidence that we can get well past that number before then. But once again, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On College Basketball, hit that big red subscribe button. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, peace out.